Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Right, get your Bible site and we're going to get into the Word because there's something about Christmas, isn't there, that um, this week and next week. Can I just say next week we have our Christmas services uh, in the morning and the evening. So make every effort. Please please invite people because there's absolutely, I said, there's no point. Christmas and Easter, people come to church. Do you get that? And they're waiting, all they're waiting on is for you to ask them. And so please don't keep it for yourself. We've got some absolutely great stuff next Sunday. And we would really just appreciate it if you would just pick up the phone, send an email, send a text and say, I'd love you to come along to church next Sunday with me uh, because it's going, to be, it's going to be good. And the whole point is, you know, Christmas is about Jesus stepping into our world. Do you get that? Right? And in the same way, he says, go into all the world. He asks us to do the same. Go into the world. Like, go and tell them about the fact that Christmas is a time where in the middle of everything else, it's a story of hope. And the, the word over the world right now is fear and famine, lack and everything else. And Jesus steps into our world and goes, actually, I've got a new set of words over you. I've got a new set of promises. And my promises are good. And if you'll listen to me and you'll come to me, then you have nothing to fear in these days. That's a good message for Christmas, right? So don't just go, ah, yeah, that's for somebody else. No, it's for you to do. Listen to the Lord. And, uh, you know, you don't need to say, Lord, are you asking me to bring someone? He is, because he's already written it in his word. Go into all the world. Do you get that? You don't need a word from the Lord in that. Oh, just pray for divine appointment this week, Jesus. I mean, remember all that, praying for divine appointments. I mean, <laughs> that probably happens where God sets stuff up, but your life is a divine appointment. You get that? Your whole life is a divine appointment. You know, when you carry Jesus with you, you bring Jesus with you wherever you go. And so wherever, oh, do you get me? All right, so let's not be lazy this week. Let's just, when the Lord puts someone on your heart, pick up the phone, ask them. And that's, it's not about getting them to church, it's about bringing them to Jesus, because when we bring them to Jesus, he, can, he does his work in them, amen? So right, let's get into this, because this is a good one. And uh, you know, I kinda, I kinda, I'm starting Christmas, and it struck me that oftentimes, you know, we get into this Christmas story, and uh, we, we kind of cut to the chase, don't we? Like stables and, and donkeys and wise men coming and all the rest of the stuff. But there's, a, there's, a, there's something I want to teach you this morning, all right? And it is going to be teachy. And I, I make no excuses for that. Every, every now and again, I give you a disclaimer to go, I'm going to teach you from the word because you need, sometimes we need to see from the word that there's a whole, there's a whole lot more to it, particularly those of us who have been around the block a few times and we kind of go, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Because the, the, the story of God stepping right into our world and announcing that, that it was, he said, peace on, you know, peace when he declared it, and I preached this, I don't want to get into it, but he basically declared, declared the war is over. It was peace not between men, actually, but peace between man and God. He was saying that the time of uh, enmity between God and man w- w- was over. That's, this is what he's announcing, right? And it shows us that God's not absent. And it, it's not oblivious, right? To, he's not oblivious to what's happening in our world and in our lives. He sees us. He's moved by compassion. And we love those moments, don't we? We love those moments where God steps in, as, as Adam was saying, steps into our world, sees what's going on, brings us healing, brings us hope, brings us whatever we need. Isn't that right? We love those moments. And it's important that we, we have those moments. But there's something about Christmas, and, and, and that's the whole point of Christmas. That's why we bring people to Jesus. We don't bring them to Jesus because we need to change them. We bring them to Jesus because he loves them, and he wants to change them. He has good things for them, not just for you, so that we keep stuffing ourselves like spiritual babies and become fat, but so that we actually exercise what God has put in us. And you'll be happier, honestly, on the other side of somebody else's breakthrough. <laughs> 
that I want. So that's more profound than what you think. All right? Actually, because that's the way that God designs it. When we pour our lives into something other than just ourselves, there's, there's so much more blessing in it. So that's just my, I just wanted to say that this morning to go, like, if I just get such a sense at this time of the year where people are lonely, people are struggling, people are um, fearful about next year, people are wondering what's going on, and we have the power of God's grace in our lives. Isn't that amazing? Brilliant. Okay, so there's a gap though, isn't there? There's a time when you look at this Christmas story, because we tend to go from the Old Testament into the New, right? We kind of, for those of you who don't know your Bible, the, the, the Old Testament finish, finishes with, a, with Malachi, right? I'm sure you all know it because you've probably been studying it for years on your own. <laughs> and then it starts with Matthew, and we kind of, we go, my goodness, this bit in between is really important, and it speaks right into our lives. I want to ask you the question, what is it like for you when God goes silent? When God stops speaking. Has anyone ever experienced that in your life where you go, God's gone dark on me? Are you there, God? There he is, phoning us. Saying, like, you know what I mean? It is. <laughs> Tell him I'll rub his feet. And, uh, <laughs> because there is a gap, right, between the old and the start of this wonderful Christmas story. And in fact, you wouldn't have the Christmas story if it wasn't for the gap. And that gap is all about when God goes silent, what is he doing? And I want to help you with that today because as I've read it over the last month or so, it's really challenged me and helped me. It's really encouraged me because it seemed to be, there was no scripture written between the end of Malachi around 430 BC and the start of the story, which we know as Christmas, the start of the, of the New Testament. And sometimes in our lives, what, what happens is we can feel like there's nothing going on and there's nothing really changing. And it can feel like it goes on for a long time. Anyone? Like Alan, Alan, Adam was saying this morning, I've got that in my head now, okay? Like Adam was saying this morning, it, it's like those false peaks. It's like, I'm never quite getting there. And God, where are you in the middle of it anyway? Anyone understand that? What that feels like? Oh, there's so much grace for you this morning. Because that, like the coming of Jesus is one of the greatest gifts that we could ever receive. And it wasn't just on a whim. You see, you don't just jump into Christmas and like all of a sudden it was like God had just decided this is the way that it was. There's incredible, incredible detail in how he sets up this whole story that if you'll grasp at this time of year, it will set you up for your 2023. Because actually many of us think, it, you might even be sitting here this morning going, in my life right now, I know that I'm loved. I know that I've heard this word of righteousness. I've heard this word of grace, but it feels to me like I'm not, it feels to me like still there's some radio silence from God because I ask him about stuff. I don't get an answer. Where are you in the middle of this? Why is this not changing? Where, where are you, God, anyone? Okay, this is why Christmas is so important. So let, let me help you with it, all right? So where did it start? This is called, and some of you might've heard it before, it's called the 400 years of silence. And it refers to this time between the old and the setting up of the new. And as far as we know, in that time, God didn't speak. No scripture was written. And at the end, let me just give you the, the very end of Malachi chapter four. Uh, this is where it begins. And there was a warning that closed the Old Testament. Behold, it says, I'm gonna send you a lie to the prophet before the coming and the great terrible death of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. Jesus is gonna talk about this, right? Uh, because it's, he's talking about John the Baptist. Actually, I'm gonna send you one um, who will be... Who, uh, Restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse, right? And um, 
so there's, a, there's this big warning at the end, right? Dun, dun, dun. Now, at this time, the Jews, now I'm, I'm going to go a wee bit teachy, but it's super important. You get me? At this time, the Jews had come back from, from captivity. They were back from Babylon and they were back in the land, right? And uh, the, the big empire that's ruling at this time is called it's the Persian Empire, right? All out from, they're out in the West. This is really, uh, really, out in the East, sorry, really important, okay? Now, the temple had been rebuilt. The law and the priesthood of Aaron's line had been restored and the Jews had, been, had, had given up worshiping idols, right? But Malachi's warning, even at this stage, wasn't without cause because the Jews were mistreating their wives. They were marrying pagans and not tithing. Sounds a bit like you, right? And the priests were neglecting, that was a wee joke, and the priests were neglecting the temple. Oops, that's me. And not teaching the people the ways of God. You see, you thought I was just going to give you a wee touch this morning. I was talking about me too, all right? Now, when you cut to the new, when you t- cut to Christmas, the start of this story, there's something incredible. When you open at the book of Matthew, you discover an entirely different atmosphere, right? It's almost like it's a completely different world. Listen to me. From, from where we start to where we end will look completely different. That's going to be important for later on. Because when you, uh, Rome now, when you open the book of Matthew, this is what Jesus is going to come into. Rome is the dominant power on the earth, not the Persians. Roman legions have spread throughout the length and the breadth of the civilized world. They have built roads and infrastructure and systems through all the way out to the west. The center of power has shifted from the east, Persia, modern day Iran, and uh, into Rome. Palestine is, is a, pretty much a puppet state. And the Jews have not regained their own sovereignty but there is a king on the throne. And he's not from the line of David, he's from the line of Esau, and not Jacob, rather so. And his name is Herod the Great. So what's interesting here is the priests, remember when we stop off with Malachi, the priests were, in the, were descended from the line of Aaron. Now they're not. That people, the priests that we deal with in the time of Jesus are no longer in the line of Aaron. They can't trace their, their descendancy back that way. They're hard hands, actually. And uh, the office of priest is sold as almost like a political patronage, the highest bidder. The temple is still the center of worship, but the building has been destroyed and destroyed and all the rest of it. And so now synagogues have have started to spring up in every bit of the land. And the center of life has gone from the big temple to the synagogues all around the the land. If you're smart, you're going to start to draw the lines. And the center of life seems to be the synagogue and not the temple. And now there's three major parties here. I'm going to talk about those in a, in a minute. Uh, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Now, what is the point of all that? I'm going, to, I'm going to actually tell you what happens in the detail there. And then I'm going to give you some pointers today to go, when God is silent, whenever, sorry, whenever you think God is silent, he is doing his best work. Do you get that? Any one of you here this morning or watching online who's going, Lord, where are you? I need your grace. And despite me praying and turning up and doing what, I just can't, you know, are you there? Are you, can I trust that you're working in my life? I want to show you here that God is never silent. God is always working. See right now, even if you can't see it or understand it, he is working in the backstory of your life to set the stage for his grace and glory to be brought in fullness. Do I get an amen? The Lord is never silent. 
And what I love about this is you see it on, a, like this is a massive what we call geopolitical scene, right? This is like nations and empires and all sorts of stuff. And as I was reading this over the last month, I was thinking, Jesus, if you can organize that stuff, you know the stuff that's going on in the world right now? You know, literally famine and fear and what about this and what about the other? What you're going to see, see when you come into Christmas, you can say with all confidence, with, you know, your head held high, my Jesus, look what he did with nations and empires to set the scene for him to walk in. If he can do it then, he's doing it now. I don't have to be afraid about the economy. I don't have to be afraid about the government. I don't have to be afraid about interest rates or energy sources. Why? Because Jesus is on the throne this morning and he is the one who says, I set them up and I build them down. I bring them in and I push them out. And it doesn't matter who they are, what they think they are or what they say. I am the one on the throne this morning. Amen. And I'm not silent. I am not silent. You see, the enemy would have you believe that when you, can't, when you can't feel that God is working or you can't see it, that he's gone dark. He hasn't. He never does. He's always working, shifting, maneuvering, bringing about. So boom, I'm going to show you at the right time. The scripture actually says it at Christmas. At the right time, Jesus came. I'm speaking over you today to go, at you, there's a right time for you. Do you get that? And at that right time, Jesus will show you. You will have that vision of my goodness, Lord, I didn't feel it. I couldn't see it. At times, I didn't even trust. But my goodness, look what you have done. Anyone? Who wants to write their story that way? Amen. Okay, so let, do, you, do you want me to just give you a wee bit of the detail? Because I'm, I'm, I nerd out in this stuff. So, and do you know what? As I say week after week, if you don't like it tough, I'm, on, I'm preaching and you're not. So just, right? Not good. Listen to this, Hebrews 10, 38. So what, what happened? Let me give you a little bit more detail. How did we get from two different stories? You see, here's the point. Where, 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 where we finish off in the old in Malachi was not the right time for Jesus. Do you get that? Sometimes we get so mixed up in God's timing on things that we confuse what we think should happen and we put that under the Lord and go, if you're not doing what I think should happen in this moment, then somehow we twist that up the wrong way and go, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with God. There's something, you know what I mean? You've just gone silent, Lord. And there, wasn't, there wasn't the time for it. For whatever, you know, let, let me explain it, okay? So here's the thing. Write this verse down, Hebrews 10, 30. It says, now the just, the righteous, you and I will experience God's gift of life. We will live. That's what that word means, zoa. Uh, will experience God's gift of life by faith, all right? That's your Strong's references if you want them. So in, in about 430 BC, right, the center of world power began to shift from the east to the west. I'll try to do this in big chunks. See, Babylon had been the world power. Remember the people of Israel, the God's people had been enslaved in Babylon, right? Always brought into slavery in Babylon, but this was soon succeeded by the Persian Empire. Now, if you know anything, right, about your Bible, you know all, you know all those mad prophecies in Daniel? You know the stuff where you go, what the heck was he smoking, right? Like, if you read Daniel with no sense of world history, you'll just think this guy was completely on one, right? But Daniel prophesied this, all right? He prophesied that there would be a bear who, would, who was higher on one side than the other, signifying the division between Persia, right, and, and, and Babylon and Persia. Now, what happens then? So 
you have the Babylons and then the Persians basically take them over. So they're in the, these guys are all out here in the east. Then what happens is there's this guy called Alexander the Great. You've probably heard of him, haven't you? Go, oh, he was Greek. You know where Greek is? It's over in the, that way, west. You follow me? Right, watch this. This is cool. Right. So in 330 BC, so you just about 100 years in, there's this unbelievable battle. And this young guy, Alexander, he's only 20, and he leads the armies of Greece in this big victory over the Persians. Right? And so he completely demolishes the power of Persia, and the center of the world power then shifts further into the west, and the Greek empire is born. Now, what happens is Alexander doesn't have any kids. He drinks himself to death. You should read this stuff. It's like EastEnders, right? So he, he's, he's mad. He's, he's way building the Greek empire, and you're thinking, why does that matter? I'm going to show you in a minute. Because God is working in everything. Listen. So Alexander doesn't have any kids. So the, after he, he, he drinks himself to death, which is what he does, he, uh, he, he divides his empire between them. Daniel prophesied this, and you could have seen it. Right? What was happening is uh, Ptolemy got Egypt in the south, and then there's this guy called Seleucus, and he got the, the, the bit in the north. Now, during this time, Palestine's in the middle, and it is, you know, they, they're caught in like the meat grinder of conflict between these two big powers. Now, if you recall again Daniel and his prophecies, right? He, give a, he gives a really accurate and detailed account of those years of conflict between the north and the south, right? Do you know why you have to receive the word every week? You know, like over the last few weeks, I've been talking to you about provision and giving and generosity and prosperity. Do you want to know why that is? It's because... Whenever the Lord prophesies something, this is what's going to happen. He gives the provision in order to meet what he's talking about. Do you get that? I'll say it again in case you didn't understand. When the word comes and you receive it, within that word is all that you need to prosper into the days to come. So he, whenever he's speaking a word to go, I'm prospering you and I'm blessing you, it's because into the future, Whatever the events are, he's already provided what you need. Do you get that? But right now, if you go, nah, I can't do that because of fear, what else? You're going to struggle a few months down the road. You're not going to overcome the way the Lord wants you to. It's exactly the same. Daniel prophesied into the future, okay? And what happens is the Lord then works in the words that he has, he has spoken. Now, what, what, what happens here is, now, generally throughout those reigns, like, the Jews were pretty well looked after. I'm going somewhere with this. So what happens is the Greek language starts to take hold. Greek customs and manners, right? What actually happened was the Old Testament at this time, and it never would have happened otherwise, was translated into Greek. Right? And that's called the, yeah, I'm not going into the detail, right? So this became really, really widespread, and it's quoted the most frequently in the New Testament. So what the Lord was doing there was going, I'm going to take these guys out of the way. These guys are going to rise up and they're going to bring their customs in. And one of the things they're going to do is they're going to take my word and make it accessible for the whole world. All right? They go with me. Now, Greek, Grecian or Greek influence became really, really strong at this time. And so there's this party of Jews called the Hellenists and they rise up and they, they really want Greek culture. They love it, right? And these are like people who, like British people who go to, Magaluf, and they open like a British cafe. You know what I mean? It's like no matter where they're going, they're bringing their culture with them. You know what I mean? 
Not that I've ever been in one of those, but you see them on one of those locked up in Magaluf on Channel 5, right? Greasy spoon. So they, they come into the nation, they want to liberalize some of the Jewish laws. So it, it actually forced a split. But there are strong Hebrew Jewish nationalists, and they went, no, no, we don't want to liberalize. liberalize. We want to live everything according to Moses. All right? And they became the Pharisees. That's where the Pharisees came from. So whenever it, the Pharisees were a reaction to liberal culture, oh, holy smokes, listen to me. What's, is there anything new under the sun? What we don't do in, in response to liberal culture is to become Pharisees. Do you get me? But that's what they did. So when, when, when people came in and wanted to liberalize everything and, and start to unpick this, they went, no, no, we're going to live by the law of Moses. And so Pharisee actually means separated one. So, this, so the Pharisees uh, rose, and they were separationists who wanted to preserve tradition. They grew stronger and stronger, becoming more legalistic, more rigid in their requirements. And, and then, as you know, they become... The, the target for some of the most scorching words that Jesus ever spoke. On the other hand, you've got the Hellenists, the Greek lovers, and uh, they formed what, what became the Sadducees. Remember that? Remember Pharisees and Sadducees? They were dead liberal. And they turned away from a strict interpretation of the law and became rationalists. Now, like, and then there's these last one called the Essenes, and that what they did is they wrote everything down, and we get the Dead Sea Scrolls from them. Now, what, what, in the middle of all this, right, see when... Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a small point there is, see today what we don't do is become hyper-religious in response to the culture of the day. We become more Jesus-focused and grace-focused. Do you get that? Because you've seen it a thousand times before. Now, but here's the point. See, even in the world, in, in, in that culture where that was going on, God was still working. He was using the culture of the day, the traditions of the day, to set the scene where his word would be translated into a language that would spread far and wide. He was setting up the scene for Jesus to come into because what's happening all the time is, you know, because what then happens actually is uh, in about, they keep fighting the north and the south. And so by AD 63, they invite to basically pay a Roman general to come in. And this Roman general comes in and beats the tar out of them and then goes, here, actually, this is all right. We'll just set up, because now Rome is in charge. And so that's why the Romans are in charge when you, the scene opens in Matthew, because they stuffed the, the two guys, the two Greeks up and down. And Rome then overtakes Greece, going further to the west, and is now the predominant power in the world. What was interesting about Rome is because, number one, the Greeks translated everything, got everything ready. The Romans built the infrastructure, the roads, the physical roads, and everything else that meant that they could travel to the furthest ends of the earth with the gospel. You get it? Isn't it amazing? And God was silent. No, he wasn't. No, I haven't finished. Is this okay? Does this set up Christmas entirely differently? Like, see if God can do this over 400 years on, on the geopolitical massiveness of civilizations. What do you think he could do with your life? Honestly, I just sat there and I thought, seriously? This seems so big and complicated at times. And the Lord says, my grace is incredible. Look what I did here just to set the scene for my son to come. Because it had to be the right time. Now listen to me here. I haven't finished. So what happens is Pompey, he's the Roman general. He comes down from Damascus, massive army, wrecks Jerusalem, terrible slaughter, overthrows the city, captures it for Rome. And now he puts Palestine and the, the Jews under the foot of Rome. 
So here's what's happening, right? Pagan empires, the world is used by God for his purposes. Do you get that? See the people in your world today who don't know Jesus, right? I have testimony after testimony after testimony of people in the world being used by God to bless me with work and provision and everything else. You know why? Because the Lord takes that from the world for his people. Do you get that? Even when, don't be afraid of what goes on in the world. Don't look at it and go, oh my goodness, this is terrible and have this mad oversteer reaction to, to become a religious nutcase. That's not what it's about, all right? It's about going, I trust in every moment that you are working. And I might not be able to see it right here, but you are not silent and you are set, always setting it up. Because what's happening, there's two things. Number one, it's what's, where people are ready and where, and where the nations are ready. This is how God moves. He's building the physical infrastructure, like I said, in terms of language, tradition, language, uh, translation, everything else, all right? To take the Hebrew word to make it accessible for the world. Then he goes, right, they've done that. Let me now bring in the Romans. They build the infrastructure that can take this word and get it all out. That's the physical thing that God's doing in these 400 years. But I'll tell you what else he's doing. That like the pagan empires around the world have been deteriorating and, and disintegrating. You can see that religion, their religions had fallen on evil days. People were sick of polythe polytheism. You can actually read about this in history. If you go to Josephus and stuff, there was something in the world. They were, the emptiness of pagan faith is one of the biggest markers in the downturn in these, in these uh, civilizations. Do you get that? What, what does that mean for us today? Listen to me. What does polytheism mean? It means multiple gods. Multiple things that promise you that they're the authority and they can deliver you and look after you. The people back then got sick of it and they were looking for something else. Do you get that? 400 years before, Jesus would have been one of many others. But what the Lord did was he worked and worked and worked to bring people to the point, the nations to the point where they were sick of that and they knew that they needed something else. I'll help you with this in one second. The Jews as well had gone through times of pressure. They'd failed to reestablish themselves. They'd basically given up hope. They, and what had happened is, you see this even with Simeon in the temple, there was this air of expectation that their only hope now that they had left, because they had been kicked about like a football from the Babylonians to the Persians to the Greeks and now to the Romans. And now in the middle of it all, they've got their own people who are trying to fracture and separate and make it worse. And so the scene is set for God, there must be something more than this and a high expectation that Messiah would come. Do you get it? Isn't, isn't the Lord amazing? Now, let me just, I'm gonna to start to apply this for you now. Are we doing okay here or is this too much? Okay, good. This is, this is the most teachy I've been in months and months. Because what happens is, but I think it's really important. There's this growing air of expectation that the only hope that they had left was the, was the Messiah. Every system of the world had failed them, used them, and abused them. They found nothing in it. In the East, the Oriental empires had come to the place where the wisdom and the knowledge of the past had completely disintegrated, and they too were looking for something. So this is the point. It's at this point that the star appears above Bethlehem. And you know what's really interesting? Where did the wise men come from? The east. Why? Because everything that they had built on had been completely demolished. And they searched because they knew there was something more. Isn't that amazing? 
That's what the Lord was doing. He was setting the scene. And they said, you know, it says that, you know, they come from the east. And the actual verse is this. When the time had fully come, then God sent his son. You get it? Let me encourage you with your life right now. That it may seem to you like there is, there is darkness, silence in some areas. It's not completely, right? And you're thinking, what does that look like? How will this ever work? What is going on? I just had this sense at Christmas, that, is, that the Christmas of what the Lord wants to put into you as you go into 2023. When the, listen to me, the predominant words that the world is going to speak over your life next year are famine and fear. Famine, a lack of resource. Fear, it's never going to finish and you're, and you're, you're for it, Right? That's what, the word is going to, that's what the world is going to speak over you. Don't be surprised when they do it because that's what sells. Now, here's what's really interesting for you. The Lord is saying, as you see as you're sitting here, right, right in this moment, I am working people, resources, relationships, businesses, positions, jobs, family. I am the master chess player, he says. And I am not silent. I am not dark. You've got to live by faith. You've got to live by faith and go, even when I can't see it, you are working. That's my declaration of faith. And if he can move empires into place. You know when it says every knee will bow at the name of Jesus? We go, that's a lovely verse. Comes kind of foggy view of heaven, right? Where you think you're going to kneel beside all sorts of people. Every empire bows to the name of Jesus. Because at the right time, he moves them. And when the time was right, he sent his son into the middle of it. Isn't that incredible? Does anyone have faith this morning that if he can do it then, and he did it then, he can do it for you? What is the thing that you're not seeing? Where have you said, Lord, this is, you know, like radio silence. God, are you silent right now? Can I just speak to you right now? He's not. He's working. He's moving. He's organizing. He's providing. He's setting up everything you need for just the right time. For just the right time. That's a good word, isn't it? You see, sometimes when we get into Christmas, I haven't finished it yet. Um, sometimes when we get into Christmas, you see, we lose the power of it. And we lose the, we lose the impact of it because we kind of go, well, just over to Matthew. It's almost like all that stuff. How did you, like, Lord, did you just kind of put a full stop there, the end of Malachi 4, and then go into the new? No. He, he, this 400 years, he was working away, creating. And I, the thing is, how do we live in the good of that? What can we do? Write down this verse. Proverbs 29, 18 in the message is just brilliant. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, then they stumble all over themselves. Isn't that amazing? But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Is not cracker? Like seriously, is not cracker? I went, oh Lord, I need to attend to what you've revealed. There's, there's your key. Because if you can't see what God's doing, you will stumble everywhere. Have that picture of stumbling. What's it like falling from one thing to the next, to the next, banging off stuff, getting hurt, all that. That's what we do in our lives when we don't attend ourselves to what? What's going on around us? No, when we don't attend ourselves to the word of God's grace in our lives. So let me give you something just very simply, very quickly, um, that, that I believe, that I, I believe is one of the things that you can, 
encourage your heart with and build faith in and build, you know, so you're not walking by sight and you don't stumble. The first thing, and it's so, so simple. It's so, so simple. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. First thing is this, set your heart on the word of God's grace. Every day, not every couple of days, not every three or four days, every day, anchor your heart and your soul into the word of grace. Why? Because there's two things here. Your lamp is a guide to my feet. What does that mean? It shows you where you're standing. Do you get that? One of the things of insecurity and insecure living is this, is we don't know what, we don't know what we're standing on half the time and it feels, are, are we standing in favor? Are we standing in provision? Are we standing in health or not? Right? Because when you take the word of, of God's truth out of it, it goes dark. And we don't know where we are. We can't see, number one, that we're standing in righteousness all the time. Okay? It's a lamp to my feet to show me that I'm standing on a solid ground. If you don't fill your head and your heart with the truth of what you stand in, I am righteous. I am holy. I am fully provided for. I am the, you know, the apple of God's eye every day. Then something else is going to do that for you. Do you get that? And so the word of God every day illuminates where you stand, irrespective of what's going around you. And what's the thing about a lamp? Where you put a lamp, what happens? It lights up around it. What's on the outside of where the lamp is? Darkness, exactly. Thank you, Samuel. Right? You take away the lamp, what have you got? Darkness. Do you want to stand in darkness, the Lord says? No, you don't, do you? Well, I'm answering for you. Isn't it so simple? You know, I still talk to people and they maybe picked up their Bible three weeks ago. And I go, you can't live off my revelation, folks. You can't live off Pastor Prince's revelation. You've got to live off your own. We'll point you to the word, but you need to have those moments where you know that you know that the Lord spoke to you. That his grace becomes your grace. Your promise. Not my promise. Your promise. Do you get that? And so what, what does it do? Take away the lamp. You've got nothing but darkness. So it shows you where you are, but it also does what? shows you where you are going. You get that? This is the thing of, does the road ahead for you, what does it look like? Looks a bit dark, looks a bit whatever, looks a bit, you know, crazy. I don't really know what it's going to be like, right? The, the truth of it is, you know, here's the thing. I, I know in my life, I go, like, I, I, do, I have this conviction that I've got my best days coming. Remember I said this to you? Like, I am approaching a new decade, very well, it's a few years away yet, right? But even as I approach it, it is, I'm not just lying, but I've got a few years before I get to it. And the thing is, I, I have in, the, in my gut, because the Lord put it there, these are your best years. Do I know how that's going to work out? Not the foggiest notion. I don't, I don't know what the future is, but I know the one who has the future. Do you get that? He holds the future for me. And what he says is, see my word, my word, Jesus and my grace revealed through my word for you every day will show you the way. You'll have a spirit-led life, not a fear-led life. As, as Jesus is revealed and he guides you in truth and he shows you, he will lead you from grace to grace and glory to glory. And it'll be like, he navigates you through all the things of the world. And I go, I don't know how you do that. And he goes, well, you don't need to know that's what I'm doing. You don't need to do my job for me, says the Lord. Let me do it because my word will show you. My word will bring you light for where you are and a clear path for where you need to go. Do you get that? How many more verses do you need me to say, right? 
like about how he makes your path straight. We know this stuff, don't we? We should have heard this stuff, but it's from the word. The word, grace comes to you as Jesus is revealed in his word. Prioritize the word of God in your life. Every day, prioritize, because you'll not make it otherwise. You'll stumble because you can't attend, the, attend to what he's revealing. And, and if you can't see what he, what, how he's revealed in his word, you get that? I'll tell you what happens if you don't do that. You know what you'll live by? Not by faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing what? The word. Faith doesn't come by your feelings or what your Auntie Aggie thinks. Oh, it's just on Facebook there. And Donna from Doncaster says, you know what I mean? Sorry, Donna, but uh, you're not from Doncaster. But you know, do you get me? Do, do you understand it? It's like, that's not going to help. In fact, if anything, it's just going to make it worse. First of all, give yourself to his word. I, I love this. In, in Isaiah 55, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts or the world's thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields what seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty. Somebody say amen. amen. That's why faith comes by hearing. And the Lord promises over your life today in 2023, when you set your heart on Jesus revealed in the word, through that word of grace, the Lord's promise is not gonna be empty. Oh, but it's dark and I can't see it. I know, but I'm working. And not on your time scale, on my time scale, because at the right time, I'll send you the sun. Sending the sun there is, is, is the image of at the right time, Jesus is there. Do you get that? Not that Jesus is absent and then he comes. You get me? All right, okay. Second thing is this. Can I just say, take each day as it comes. I think what's really interesting here is Matthew 6, 34. I've taken this from the Living Bible. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow. So live one day at a time. Jesus talked about this, right? Jesus talked about this. And he said that actually you don't have grace for next March. Do you get that? He said you've got grace for today. Grace for the day you're in. Tomorrow's got enough stuff to worry about. But you'll, you know, I, I said on, on Wednesday night at the Bible study, didn't I? The percentages of the things that we worry about that never come to pass. Only about 8% of things that we actually worry about should actually take up any bit of thinking for us. Isn't that right? And uh, for those of you there, I did say that. You're kind of looking at me, did you say it? Yeah, I did, right. Do you know what I've learned to do is every day just say, Lord, see what for whatever's coming my way today, I've got grace for it today. And what about tomorrow and how's it? I don't know. I have found my, it's, now that's not the same as living without vision and a hope of what God can do and how God can light your path. That's, those two things are not mutually exclusive. But what, what I think the Lord says to you is, is said to you today is, if the, the trick of the enemy is to distract you with what may or may not happen three, three months from now. Do you get that? That's a lie. Because there's, number one, you can't control it, and number two, most of it will never happen anyway. Uh, do you get me? So what can you control today? It's the day that you're in. See, when you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, Brilliant. I've told you what Penny and I pray. We've prayed this for probably a year and a half. 
this truth over our lives every single morning. And I'm, 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 you know, it's like sowing seed into your life. We're seeing God move. I can't talk about it here, but we're seeing God move in some, in some things that we as, as we have sowed faith into our situation around the business and everything else. God, I, you know, every morning I go, Lord, I don't know what you're working out, but I know that you're working it out. So just trust you today. And even when it feels like it's going backwards or it's not happening or it's slow or it's whatever, in faith today, I just thank you that you're moving. Amen. Then we'll leave it with the Lord. Why? Because you've got grace for today. What does that mean? Well, Andrew, I've got this stuff. We've all got stuff going on. Okay. But I actively have chosen and, and your emotions play a part in this, right? But I've actively chosen to go see that there. If it's not within the next 48 hours, Lord, that's your problem, not mine. I'll leave that one with you. Why? Because the Lord says you've got grace for today. You don't have grace for tomorrow yet. See, when you get to tomorrow, you'll have grace for today. Isn't that, isn't that lovely? You just go, and then when you get at the end of every night, you just go, flip me. I got through, look at me. Not just that I got through, but I probably did pretty well. And I'm, I'm probably not in any worse state tonight than what I was this morning, anyway. Then I get up tomorrow morning and say, thank you, Lord, I've got grace for today. And what does the Lord say in the middle of that? In the middle of it all, with my word as your guide, I'm making your paths straight. So the interesting thing about climbing a mountain is you never see the full journey. You just see the steps in front of you, and then all of a sudden you go, flip, look how far I've come. Okay, two things to say. Third thing is this, let go of it. See whatever it is that's bothering you this morning, where you go, God, are you moving? The Lord says this in Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I'm using this first because you know it all the time. But look at the second bit of it. It makes way more sense now. I'll be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You get it? When you see what he does in the 400 years. Do you know what arpu in Hebrew means? Um, be still. It means to let go, to release, and sink into grace. How a class word, isn't it? Let go of it. First Peter says, cast it to Jesus because he cares for you, and then just sink into grace. That's what being still is. Being still doesn't mean you're lazy and you don't do anything. That's not about outward activity inward posture. I work really, really hard, like really hard, lots of hours, but I'm learning to have a posture of rest in the middle of it all. Does, does that feel like a contradiction? It shouldn't do. Because when the Lord blesses you, there's always plenty to be done. But the posture is, I'm stewarding, looking after your blessing. I'm not having to work to create it. Big difference. One is joy, one is just tiredness. But our, the Lord's, and I think some of us need to actively today go, I'm just letting that one go. It's two weeks away from now, or it's three weeks away from now, it might be. You strangle the life of God and faith in you when you live like that. Choose to say, Lord, I put it into your hands, I cast it to you, and now I'm going to sink into your unmerited favor. And the last thing I want to say is this, is... Um, I'll just finish with Hebrews 10 again, actually. Trust that he's working. Trust that he's working. 
You're not called to live by what you can see. You're called to live by faith. And faith comes by continually hearing the word of grace. It will show you where you are, light up where you need to go. And the Lord says, if we can do it in the nations, what makes you, you know, have a look at your life. Do you really think it's beyond me? I'm working for you. Amen. Is anyone encouraged this morning? Yeah. Think about what those things are that you've brought. In. Like cause Christmas is a time. Christmas is a time. Remember that? It's a Christmas is a time for love, joy. What is that? Um, that song? Anyway, Christmas is a time for hope. I knew it wasn't hope. Christmas is a time. Um, I knew it wasn't hope. But Christmas is a time where we remember. We remember not just shepherds and angels and da-da-da. I love the fact the wise men came from the east. Why? Why not the north? Because there was nothing there for them. Why? Because the Lord had moved everything, left them with nothing, so that their hearts were ready to receive the word. And from there, boom, the gospel goes. Cool, huh? Close your eyes for one minute. We're going to get ready to take communion. Worship guys, if you want to get ready and come up, please. That'd be good. It's just with your heads bowed this morning. I just, uh, I get this. My sense this morning is this, is to encourage you, the Lord says, that you're not forgotten. You're not on your own. He hasn't left you. And this Christmas, he's going to build faith in you for the year to come. And Lord, we, so I, whatever it is that's, that's bothered you or concerned you, whatever it is that's weighed on you, I just want you to imagine the Lord standing right in front of you right now because he is. And his arms are open. His hands are open. And he's saying to you, what is it? Perhaps it's medical. Perhaps it's a condition that won't get better. Perhaps it's to do with how you're thinking, what your mental state is. Perhaps it's a a child or a loved one. Perhaps it's your work and your provision. The Lord just says, what is it? Give it to me. Cast it to me because I care for you. The Lord says, I'll take that burden from you and I'll show you that I'm working in your life. But he says this morning where we can start to do that is just sink into my grace, he says. Sink into my favor because I love you. I've always loved you, the Lord said. I'm not angry with you. I'm not disappointed. I'm not frustrated with you. I absolutely love you. And if you could only see, if your mind and your heart could only conceive the grace and the blessing that I have spoken over you and ordained for you, your heart wouldn't even cope with it. Such is the vastness of my love and my goodness for you. So I whisper over you today, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
I am with you, the Lord says. I am working in every moment. For all those moments that you felt like, like what on earth? What's this about? The Lord says at the right time, you're going to see it all come together. And it's going to be way more than what you could have imagined. No longer, the Lord says, will you be subject and subjected to be pushed about by all these other forces. But the Lord is going to show you grace upon grace, glory upon glory in your life. Because he's working. And so, Lord, our response to that today is we trust you. We trust you, Lord. Lord, we want to set our hearts on you, Jesus, through the revelation of grace in your word. Lord, feeding ourselves. Lord, bringing light to where we are and pointing us forward, Lord. Today, Father, we sink into your grace. We let go of every weight and we sink into the loving arms of our Savior who loves us and gave it all. And we thank you, Father, that today our hearts can be assured that you are working because you're never silent. You never go quiet. And Lord, we thank you for that truth today. We thank you for that hope today. And we receive it. And all God's people said, Amen.